You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back here on Big Blue View for our continued off-season coverage of the New York Giants. Here in June, we are doing our positional previews, filling you in on every single name you need to know on the depth chart. Today's episode, we are talking running backs. And as you can expect, there is a star player at the top of that list, Saquon Barkley, and then some interesting names that we have to kind of figure out where they might fit with this team. That's what we're going to dissect on today's episode i am joe delion joined by chris flum and nick filato make sure you hit that subscribe button leave us a five-star review don't miss out on any more of this off-season coverage to get you primed and ready for the giant season and then also head to bigblueview.com for more giants news and analysis so guys running back position here is obviously headed by saquon barkley who's coming off of an acl injury that took him out of a majority of last season getting hurt against the Chicago Bears very, very early on, second game of the season, and here he is returning. We've seen a lot of guys lately, this is no longer a death sentence that it used to be 20, 30 years ago where you tore an ACL and your career was basically done. Instead, we see plenty of guys who come off of these injuries, have very, very highly productive careers, and then also big bounce-back years immediately following, like a good example, Adrian Peterson was one of those guys who did that at the running back position. So Saquon at the top of the list, we, we don't need to debate who RB1 is, just like we didn't need, need to debate who QB1 is. But Saquon is in a position now where he's going to have a lot of pressure on his shoulders coming off that injury. Yeah, I think he definitely... Well, I'm not exactly sure pressure is the right word for it, but I think there definitely are expectations for Saquon Barkley going into this season the Giants are going to have to make a decision on that fifth year contract they're really they're really going to have to make a decision on a long-term extension for him and I think that is where the real pressure is going to come from I mean if he gets off to a bit of a slow start I don't think anybody will start uh, start killing him for it I mean he he tore his ACL and had to wait most of a month for the swelling to, to go down for it to get repaired Doctors are getting pretty good at stitching knees back together, but it's still a significant injury. Yeah, it's definitely still a significant injury, but I, I don't know how exactly to look at this because from everything we hear right now, 
He's saying we're taking it a day at a time. I was literally watching GMFB a few days ago and they had James Bradbury on and Peter Schrager asked him a question and, and James Bradbury about Saquon Barkley and James Bradbury was like, oh, he's going to come out and he's going to be a dog. And then like right away, he realized that he said something he shouldn't have and he kind of walked it back and he was like, let me, and he literally said like, excuse me, let me uh, rephrase. Uh, you know, we were taking it a day at a time, but you know, we're really, you know, and like he like totally like Joe judged the entire thing and realized he probably shouldn't be saying that. And I think we all hope that Saquon Barkley is going to come back. And I do ultimately think he's going to be there week one, but it's definitely more of a slow process. And I'm not sure what the snap counts are really going to end up being for Saquon Barkley and Devontae Booker in week one. I think we're going to see a little bit more Booker than we may want to, but that's mainly just because I think they're going to ingratiate him back into the lineup and back into that former role. And that since they have you know some running back depth here, we may even see a third running back out there. And honestly, the you you say that making or originally my my thoughts here on on Saquon were he probably is going to get a light load going into the season for like the, maybe the first four or even longer than that games. But that comment by James Bradbury almost makes me think that everybody within the building was told to say that so that they don't expect teams facing the Giants early on don't expect Saquon to get a lot of touches. Maybe he's further along than he actually is, and we're not actually going to get a a full glimpse into that until, uh, you know, maybe as soon as the, the first game kicks off. Uh, I think if the Denver Broncos come into the, come into week one, uh, anything, assuming anything other than getting a full dose of a 100% Saquon Barkley, uh, they are making a significant mistake. And I think they're, they, or at least their defense is probably better coached than that. So the second player down on the depth chart, and we're going to get to talking about Saquon for the second half of the show. We're going to really dive into him because of the importance he has to this Giants offense. But after him, seemingly, is Devontae Booker. Do you guys think that this is confirmed, that we should just assume that he's going to be the second running back just based on how much they paid him in free agency, the guys that are sitting behind him? Like, Is it just a, a foregone conclusion at this point that Devontae Booker is probably going to take a, a good chunk of the carries as that second running back? I mean, if, if you're a betting man, that's where I would go. But I definitely wouldn't say it's a foregone conclusion. But two years, five and a half million dollars on the first day of free agency, that says something. They definitely wanted to make it a priority to get a running back who can run in between the tackles, can run outside, is a solid zone runner, uh, can do gap if asked to, can catch passes, can also pass block. And Booker can do all those things, I would say, adequately to solid. They wanted to ensure that they had that because last year they had Deion Lewis. Yeah, Deion Lewis can pass block and catch some passes, but he's not good really running in between the tackles. So he struggled with that. And I feel like the Giants really wanted to ensure that they got somebody that if something were to happen to Saquon Barkley, this guy can step in and be a three down back for them. Although we saw last year with Jason Garrett, he liked to use two backs a lot of the times. We saw a lot of Alfred Morris along with Wayne Gallman. So we may see some of that in the season just as early on in the season, like we said, with Saquon Barkley coming back from that injury. But I think if I'm, I mean, if I'm a betting man, everything points to Booker, and I think he can execute that role pretty solidly. And I wanted to get your take on this, Chris. Do you think Booker is going to be an upgrade over Wayne Gallman? Uh, well, you're asking the internet's number one Wayne Gallman fan right here. I know, I, I know. <laughs> I th- <laughs> I'm not going to say he's an upgrade. I think, and we'll probably talk about this in the second half, I think he, Booker might fit what they want to do a little bit better than Wayne Gallman could because, you know, for the, just for the price, Wayne Gallman basically went to 
I believe it was San Francisco on just above veteran minimum. And he was, he was, I don't want to call him a revelation for the offense, but the offense performed significantly better when he was on the field. And, you know, he was good in the red zone. He was good in short area and he could do pretty much everything. He wasn't really great running outside and he didn't really have that, the zone scheme chops, but at least as a competent, capable number two running back, you could feel confident in, you know, he could do that now, you know, maybe Devonta Booker is a bit more well-rounded. I wonder if maybe those two fumbles at the very end of the season didn't sour the giants on Gallman and maybe they're thinking Booker will have a little bit better ball security. And also he is their guy. Gallman is, was a holdover from a previous regime, actually a couple coaching staffs and a different general manager ago. So I think we'll have to wait and see if he's actually a true upgrade, but he's probably a guy they feel more comfortable with. And that to me just seems like it's not necessarily, oh, we think Devontae Booker is significantly better than Wayne Gallman. It's a little bit more, we're more comfortable with his play style and what we're trying to do with the run game than what Wayne Gallman was providing. And he was successful in a lot of games last year filling in for Saquon Barkley, but they probably just wanted a different style of running back. I mean, Alfred Morris was getting a good chunk of ch- uh, carries at, at one point during the last season. So, And also on top of that, Wayne Gallman basically signing himself into a situation where he's he may not even really make the roster considering how many running backs that they have in San Francisco is a pretty clear indication, I think, where the league just in general might value who's a little bit more well-rounded and who's going to provide a better uh, impact for this Giants running game. Once we start to move down this running back list, I think is when we start to get more and more question marks. The bottom half or the bottom part, we're not even going to really waste our time even diving into those guys. But I think where we get into this this chunk of three here, Corey Clement, Raquel Armstead, Gary Brightwell, those three guys are going to be fighting it out for that third running back spot. So you have two veterans. You've got two guys who have served that role before, who have had relative impacts. Corey Clement, more impactful than the others. And then Gary Brightwell's a bit of an unknown, a guy who I think many of us didn't even expect to even really be drafted where he was by the Giants. So now as we're trying to figure this out, like who do we think makes the most sense as that running back three? And then if they decide to continue with a fourth running back, that running back four. I like Corey Clement, to be honest. I mean, I just feel this is an undrafted kid out of Wisconsin. He's a New Jersey guy, but so is Raquel Armstead. Not that that should weigh into anything. But I mean, he came into the NFL. He had so much to prove. Wasn't really used as a receiver when he was a Badger. And then he ends up having a huge Super Bowl where I think he caught five balls for like 100 yards. One of them was that over-the-shoulder touchdown where he like dragged his feet towards the back of the end zone. Huge play. Beautiful pass by Nick Foles too. He also had a huge little screen dump off that he broke away. Stiff-armed a guy in the middle of the field and he just had one of the biggest games of his life on the biggest stage and then secured the Philadelphia Eagles, their only Super Bowl. Ugh. But <laughs> other than that, no, I really like what Corey Clement can offer from a physicality standpoint. And all these guys are like the same build, bro. They're all like five foot 10, five foot 11, 220 pounds. They run low to the ground. They run behind their pads. They fall through contact. They have good contact balance. I like Clement's vision as well. When in space, when you get the football uh, in his hands out on like screens and stuff like that. And I also like that he can pass protect. I mean, what he's been out in the field for 439 passing attempts, and through that, 
He's blocked 76 times. And in those 76 attempts, he's only surrendered one sack and eight pressures. And just for reference, and I know this isn't all an end-all, be-all thing, but I do like Clement's positioning. But for reference, Barkley has blocked 176 times, surrendered six sacks, 14 pressures. Booker, 153 times, he surrendered six sacks, 14 pressures as well. So I just like what I've seen from Corey Clement in terms of pass protection. I could see him earning maybe that third down role at some point in the year, but he would have to kind of leapfrog Booker, and that's kind of if something were to happen to Barkley, which we're all hoping doesn't happen. And I'm never, I just don't want Saquon Barkley off the field if he is 100% healthy, to be honest. But I think Corey Clement, what he can do there and what he can do on special teams should earn him that final running back spot on the 53. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Clement definitely has the inside track, uh, particularly going into uh, training camp. Uh, I think there's the possibility that Reichwell Armstead could impress and surprise us. Yeah, and at least from what I was read, what I read, he was expected to play a pretty big role in the Jaguars' offense before the season. I believe he was a COVID nineteen op- opt out last year. So it could. No, he it, wasn't an opt out. I'm sorry to cut you off, oh, Chris. He, he had an injury. I'm oh, pretty sure he had. No, no, no. Arms. No, Armstead got COVID. Oh, okay. Uh, and it was so severe that he couldn't That's play. Like really, really serious case of COVID. So, okay, so this uh, is his first time playing football since 2019. All right, I, I misread that <laughs> significantly. I'm glad to see he's doing much, much better. If he's able to get back to that pre-COVID form, then you know he could surprise and he could earn himself that number three back role. But I, I definitely think Clement has the inside track. And you know, I think the rookie there, uh, Gary Brightwell, he does some nice things in a short area. You know, he's got really good vision. He's got really good contact balance. He's got a nice jump cut. But beyond that, he's also kind of athletically limited. And yeah, I'm just not quite sure how he will hold up at the NFL level where defenders are just all big. They're all fast. They're all really athletic. Even the not athletic guys are really athletic. So I think that's kind of the order it will fall in uh, Clement, Armstead, and then Brightwell. Now, how many running backs the Giants keep, you know, in addition to the fullback, because we know there's there's going to be a fullback on the roster because this is the Giants. That's just what they do. <laughs> yeah, and I, just based on what we've what we've talked about here, Cor- Corey Clement seems like he makes like the most makes the most sense. He's done it for the longest. He's stepped up in huge situations. We talked about the Super Bowl. All of that very much weighs in in favor of Corey Clement to be that final guy. If Deion Lewis was the third running back last year, I don't see how Corey Clement can't be the third third running back this year for this Giants team. You mentioned Raquel Armstead. I'm pretty sure he was supposed to be their starting running back if it wasn't for that COVID situation. And then James Robinson takes the ball and runs with it the entire year and has a huge year as a UDFA. So maybe if that was Raquel Armstead taking all those carries, who knows what would have happened. Instead, here he is with the Giants. What were you going to say, Nick? Go ahead. I said they they were grooming him for that role. I mean, late in the year, if you remember the 2019 season when he was a rookie, Leonard Fournette was in this role where he was like a three down back and he was getting like 100 targets in the season and stuff. And it was like, and it was kind of ridiculous. And then at the end of the year, they really started putting a lot more Armstead out there. And he actually had a pretty solid game, I think, in week 17 against the Colts, if I'm not mistaken. He ended up, I think, uh, receiving a touchdown in that game. So it looked like he was going to be, but then COVID hit and uh, it just didn't, uh, obviously, he ended up going through a lot of, uh, 
issues with that. So now I, it's just, I'm not hundred percent sure what to expect. Is he fully back? Is he still 220 pounds? Cause I mean him at temple, he had solid athletic ability, you know, and he was, you know, a tough runner as well. So if he has all those traits, he can definitely push Clement. But at the end of the day, I would probably go with Clement over Armstead from everything I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's definitely an underrated guy. And I think that's what plays him into being a dark horse or not, maybe not a dark horse, but like as a, as somebody who could end up in that spot, maybe a little bit unexpected being that third running back. But the last piece here, we've all talked about Gary Brightwell. The way I'm looking at this is I, I think it says a lot that after they drafted him, they signed both Armstead and Clement to the roster. You don't really do that if you have a lot of confidence in him. And I understand that they haven't really been able to see a ton on Brightwell. It's really been limited the amount of practice time they've been on the field with him. But again, you don't sign two running backs. One running back I can understand. One veteran guy for maybe training camp, but two guys, not really a clear indication that you have a ton of confidence uh, in a player like that. The last two players, though, and I, I think we can just keep this pretty simple, Taquan Mizell, Sandra Plotzgummer. Uh, Plotzgummer is the part of the program that brings over European players. I don't think either of these guys really have much, much of a chance to make the roster. This is pretty prototypical camp body take some carries, get knocked around, get banged up during camp, carries during the preseason kind of a deal where you just need some heads. I, I don't think the, these are really players that are, are going to factor in much just considering how many guys are ahead of them and how many guys with actual meaningful snaps ahead of them that they'd have to compete with. Yeah, I would agree with everything you just said. And just for Gary Brightwell as well, just to touch on him because I didn't really talk a lot about him. I think he's going to just end up being a, a practice squad guy. And if injuries do happen, he could end up getting called up, has that special team's value. But ultimately, I think at the end of the day, he's not going to make that 53 and he'll just get relegated to the practice squad. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you, Nick. Uh, Gary Brightwell, probably a practice squad player. Uh, Taquan Mizell, Sandro Platzgummer, um they might be able to earn spots on the practice squad as well. Uh, you know, you also kind of never know. Yeah, you know, one of these guys could have a huge camp. They could have a, a very strong preseason. Although we don't have that fourth preseason game this year, which is usually so important for these end of the roster guys. Which honestly, that just to a slight aside, losing that fourth preseason game, yeah, you know, that's kind of my biggest problem with the seventeen game season. I always really enjoyed that game. I, I loved watching. You know, these guys who you don't normally see too much of, don't normally hear too much about, go out and just play hard in a game that for them has tremendous meaning, but for pretty much everyone else, they don't care about. I know a lot of fans tended to skip the fourth preseason game, but to me, it, it was honestly my favorite. So to wrap up today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about Saquon Barkley and maybe what we expect from him coming off of that ACL injury. Before we do so, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. So as we've led into this show, and as you might expect, folks, Saquon Barkley is going to be the main name discussed when we're talking about Giants running backs. The guy was a second overall pick, extremely talented, went healthy and on the field, has a huge impact for the Giants, and he was a little slow to get going last year, only for his season to get completely shut down very, very quickly into uh, his his 2020 season. So talking about Sa- Saquon Barkley here, what do you guys think are our expectations for Saquon coming off the ACL? And I'm not so much talking in the sense of is he going to be ready to go? How, how do we think his knee is going to be? Because that's stuff that we can't really predict. He's a hard worker. He's going to bust his ass. He's going to recover as much as he, as he physically possibly can. But I'm more so thinking how do we think he's going to be utilized this season after we saw teams doing whatever they could to shut him down? Now in 2021, are things going to be different or should we just expect uh, Jason Garrett to have the same approach? Until proven differently, I'm going to expect Jason Garrett to be Jason Garrett. Uh, I'm expecting the Giants to try to stick to a balanced offense, a quote-unquote balanced offense, by which I mean the more old-school definition of the term, trying to run the ball as much, as many times as they throw the ball I think they're going to try to have Saquon Barkley carry the load now. Like we said in the first half, it he it would not be a surprise at all to see him have a slow start to the year, maybe the maybe just the first half of the first game before he gets going. Maybe it'll take a week or two for him to find his groove and find his rhythm. That might depend on just how much work he is able to do through training camp and preseason. But eventually I expect to see a New York Giants offense the way we've come to expect it and I expect to see Saquon Barkley be used as Saquon Barkley uh, for me I think the big question is going is going to be how long until he has confidence in that knee yeah how long does he have conf- until he has confidence in that knee that's going to be a big question a lot of people talk about how a lot of getting over some of these injuries, especially at the ACL, it's, it's a lot of mental. And man, I've just been thinking about Saquon Barkley. We haven't seen a healthy Saquon Barkley for an extended period of time since 2018, since his rookie season. And the guy was amazing in 2018. He was the third rookie ever to eclipse over 2,000 yards in a season collectively with Eric Dickerson and Edgerrin James being the other two. And those guys were on good football teams. <laughs> Saquon Barkley was on a 5-11 and 11 team. Like he has some like, if you go through the stats that Saquon Barkley has, they're just absolutely ridiculous from that 2018. 18 season and then 2019 he ended up having that high ankle sprain and he was kind of dinged up when he came back was never really himself and defenses would just focus so much on stopping him and Daniel Jones couldn't make him pay so now it's 2021 we had a whole nother season without Saquon Barkley but Daniel Jones got to grow from that Daniel Jones and all these new shiny toys he has they have to make the defense pay they have to force the defense to not just allow the defense to shoot all the gaps anytime that it looks like it's going to be a running play 
those defenders are going to have to be kept honest by Daniel Jones, his decisive decision making, and those receivers winning at the line of scrimmage on in quick game, on those quick slants, those quick curls even. They just cannot be shooting the gaps and Saquon Barkley gets the handoff and there's just five guys around him. You know, that, that can't happen anymore. No, not, not at all. And I'd say part of it, a, a big part of it, isn't even on Saquon Barkley. You know, we're going to get to the offensive line eventually, but we have to touch on it right now. You know, the beginning of last year when Barkley was averaging like a yard a carry, you know, that that wasn't on him. He didn't suddenly forget how to run the football. It, the problem was that, like Nick said, you know, he'd take the handoff and there'd be three guys around him. The really frustrating part was there were some of those plays where he'd take the handoff and be hit immediately where the defense was only rushing five guys. You know, they were, they weren't playing a heavy box. They were basically just playing the run on the way to the quarterback and having everybody else in coverage and the giants couldn't block them. Everybody was having a different problem at a different time. And that I think also cannot happen this year. No, it cannot. And I remember at least I was criticizing Hal Hunter, who was Pat Shermer's offensive line coach a lot, because there were plenty of times, and this was in the protections even more so than just run blocking, where the offensive line was completely manipulated by the defense. And we were excited when Mark Colombo was coming over, and then that ended up in turmoil when Mark Colombo and Joe Judge just weren't on the same page. And last year, there was the offensive line, it was just young, and there were also the Arizona game really, and, and the Baltimore game really comes up as, as kind of like missed protections. But now you have Rob Sale coming in. You have these still young offensive line. Hopefully they can grow and they can transcend into better players, but development isn't always linear, as we always say. So Mark, I hope Rob Sale... <laughs> yeah, right, Mr. <laughs> Mark Schofield. But uh, a little little Hegelian type of uh, rhetoric there. But um, Rob Sale, and I'm hoping that he can really help that offensive line you know, on those combo blocks, combo climb, all those transitions be clean so Saquon Barkley can just get that sliver, that little alley to get him to the second level in whichever, if it's zone or it's gap. And that's all he needs sometimes because he's just so agile and so athletic that he can make – you know, guys who are 30 pounds less than him, cornerbacks who are 25, 30 pounds less than him, they can, he can make them miss and make them look silly. So uh, if we get a special 2018 type of Saquon Barkley on this offense with an improving offensive line, and if Daniel Jones takes a step forward with the defense from 2020, guys, we're looking at a good football team. And Nick, the, the point that you made earlier too, I just want to circle back. You, you mentioned here earlier how they all these additions, all these weapons, all these receivers that are now a part of this Giants offense. That was something that we focused on with the quarterbacks and we were talking about Daniel Jones. I think that comes into play a, a lot here now with Saquon Barkley as well. And that was a huge issue why we kept seeing all the stuff that you guys mentioned, how it was impossible to find any rushing lanes because teams were just guessing and assuming that they were going to be handing the ball off to Saquon Barkley or finding a way to get him the football on any given play. And they were basically saying, go ahead, Daniel Jones, beat us. Find a way to beat, beat us. Now is a time for Daniel Jones's progression to, to, to be very important for the success of this team based on all of the guys that they brought in. But I honestly feel that 2021, they should be able to run the ball more effectively. When teams weren't going after and trying to all they were trying to do was shut down the run game when it was just Wayne Gallman running the ball and not Saquon. We saw that they were able to have a little bit more success running the football. So maybe now when the pressure is going to be taken off of Saquon a little bit more, if they're not being solely reliant on him to produce all of their offense, I think that is going to be what is important to producing better results in 2021. Absolutely. And 
Still, I think if Saquon Barkley, if he's on that roster dressing week one, I think Denver's going to look at it and be like, all right, we need to stop this rushing attack because it is Saquon Barkley and it is Jason Garrett. And Jason Garrett loves to run the football and Saquon Barkley is Saquon Barkley. But then you had the Kenny Galladay, you add the Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton are still there, Kyle Rudolph. And you have a pretty potent offense on paper. Now it's all about implementation and it's all about Daniel Jones and if Daniel Jones is going to be maximized, that offensive line needs to hold up. So all those things need to kind of work in conjunction with each other for the Giants to be an effective offense this year. And guess what? They can't be much worse than they were last year because they were 31st by a lot of metrics last year. So there's only one spot worse they can be. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody here wants to see the Giants take that last step and morph into the Jets. Uh, that would just be so, something terrible to watch and see. I, I I do not want to watch an offense that is worse than it was last year, especially not after all of these investments and additions absolutely i actually have a fun stat that uh dan schneider actually uh sent me about saquon barkley it was through the end of the 2018 season saquon barkley had eight plays of 40 plus yards in a season 331 touches elliot had six plays of 40 plus in his entire career (laughs) of 978 touches not to take a shot at ezekiel elliot but barkley has that explosive home run ability and you pair that with everything else they have if he can do that this year then uh you know we'll be feeling good but still that's a lot of ifs a lot of things still need to happen and daniel jones ultimately needs to be the guy that we hope he can be well folks i think that's a good note to end us up on here as we are hoping for a huge season from saquon barkley as that could net some very positive results for this giants offense in a year where they've brought in a ton of firepower Folks, make sure you hit that uh, subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us on social media at Big Blue View on Twitter and Instagram. And then also head to BigBlueView.com to find tons of fantastic Giants content. Stay tuned on the rest of the week as we will be putting out some more fantastic shows. And we'll talk to you soon, folks. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.